Doug. Boy, it's good to be here. You know, God really is good. And he, he has such a wonderful plan for us. And this morning, I'm really excited about the stuff I'm going to share. I was studying through the Easter season, Palm Sunday and, and, and Easter service and the, those passages. And this passage just jumped out at me. Because aren't there times when we want something so badly that we kind of fudge things a little bit so that we can get our way? I mean, be honest. Am I the only one who does that? Like, like, for instance, did you know that if you're, if you're finished with your meal and you've eaten your dinner or lunch and there's just a little bit of leftovers that are left over and you, and you go to the kitchen sink and you're trying to decide, should I save this or not? If you eat those leftovers over the kitchen sink, there's no calories. So just do it. I mean, don't bother putting it away. Just finish it up. No calories, no risk, no problem. Also, Equally as amazing is if you eat ice cream out of the carton, no calories. So, so don't dirty the bowl, just right out of the carton, no calories. It's, it's awesome. But seriously, when we start talking about how we fudge things, have you um, ever had thought of person was a certain way, maybe dishonest or mean or not very smart? And yet, when you got to know that person, you found out that they weren't really that way at all. I mean, I thought that way about Doug for a lot of times. I thought he wasn't very smart, and he was really, uh, you know, but I found out he's really smart once I got to know him. Or possibly, maybe your spouse or a coworker or a friend did something or said something that you were sure they did it for a certain reason. And yet, when you found out the truth, you realized that that wasn't the reason at all, but you are completely mistaken. Doesn't that happen so often in life where we view things or we view people and, and how we see them may not actually be how they are or, or the way we see something isn't really actually how it happened. And we need to get more information in order to make a better decision. And really all decisions that we make really are based on what we believe to be true. Isn't that true? And the key to getting truth is being able to find a reliable source that you're going to use to gather your information. So if you can do that, if you can find a reliable source that doesn't have selfish motives, that doesn't have some kind of ulterior um, agenda or hidden agenda, now you can actually begin to get accurate information, make, maybe make a wise decision. And I want to talk about that because... As we looked at the last few um, days of Jesus' life, um, I, there is just an interesting passage that I read that I think is really a powerful passage. It's in John 18. So if we turn together to the Gospel of John, and we're going to pick it up at verse, um, verse 18 of John, or 28, because verse 18 did not make any sense to me at all when I read that. So starting with verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium. Now, just to get some background again, and you already know this, but um, Jesus, you know, was arrested by the Pharisees. They, were t they took him, they questioned him, and now they're sending him to Pilate so the Pilate can uh, sentence him to death. So in verse 28, it says, they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the Praetorium, and it was early. And they themselves did not enter into the Praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. 
Therefore, Pilate went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. So Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. Now it's to fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke, signifying what kind of death he was about to die. Therefore, Pilate entered into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? And Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And then Pilate said to him, a really good question. What is truth? Now, I tried to put myself in Pilate's position, and I thought how hard that must be to try to come up with a good decision based on two opposite poles of opinions. The Pharisees are saying this, and I, I talk to Jesus, and I get this impression. And so he's trying to make a decision based on what he thinks is true or what he's finding out to be true. And of course, for him, it becomes more of a political decision because the Pharisees know how to get their way, and he ends up having Jesus um, crucified. But I want to talk a little bit this morning about what is truth? And what is truth from the perspective of what Jesus wants us to, to major in? Because I think as Christians, we need to major in the majors. And sometimes I think we major in the minors about what's important to us. And what do we want to fall on our sword for? And so I want to look at this, past, at, at this, at this concept of what is truth. And I want to look at it this way. I want to look at three groups of people. I want to look at the, the Pharisees, I want to look at the disciples, and I want to look at the people. And of course, all the Pharisees aren't going to be the same, all the people aren't going to be the same, but in general, I want to look at those three groups. And when I look at them, I'm going to ask three questions. I'm going to ask, what did they know? What did they believe? And then what did they receive? And I want to look at how do they come to truth based on what do they know, what did they believe, and what did they receive? And how did that make a difference in their life? And how did that make a difference in how they live their life going forward? And how did that make a difference on their eternal perspective on what was really important to them? So let's dig in. We're going to start with the Pharisees. We're going to be spending a lot of time in Matthew. So as we look at the Pharisees, remember the Pharisees... Um, we're out to get Jesus from, from day one. Jesus was gathering all these crowds. They were sending people to, to him all the time, trying to trap him, trying to trick him, asking him questions that they didn't think he could answer. And he kept answering them. He kept confounding them. And, and it finally kind of came to a head as Jesus came in in the triumphal entry. He goes into the temple. He cleans out the temple. He talks about them being a den of thieves. He starts tell, telling parables about the Pharisees that they knew were about him. And from that moment on, Scripture says they sought to seize him. And finally, they have seized him. They've arrested him, and they've brought them to before um, the the. the uh, high priest. So we're going to start in, in Matthew chapter 26. So Matthew's at the beginning of the Gospels, and we're going to be in Matthew 26, and we're going to pick it up in verse 59. 
because I want to know what did the Pharisees know? So we're looking at the Pharisees. Now, what did they know? So if we start at verse 59, it says, those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and elders were gathered together. Uh, but Peter was falling behind him. Then in verse 59, now the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so they might put him to death. They did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. But later on, two came forward and said, this man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said to him, do you not answer? What is it that these men are, what is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they answered, he deserves death. And so what did the Pharisees know? One of the things that they knew is that Jesus claimed to be God. That was a blasphemy that they, that they used to send him to death, is that he claimed to be God. So they knew that Jesus said that he was the Messiah, that he was God. So let's continue on. So what else did they know? Did they know anything else? Let's go to chapter 27, and let's go to verse 62 of chapter 27. Now on the next day, this is after Jesus was crucified now, okay? So they, he was crucified because they, he said he was God, so being somebody who claims to be God deserves death, and so he was died. Now, after that, it says, on the next day, after the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, the deceiver said, After three days, I am to rise again. Therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead and the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go make, go make it as secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure and along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. So what else did the Pharisees know? They knew that Jesus said he was going to rise again from the dead on the third day. In fact, they knew it well enough that they wanted to make sure that that didn't happen. So we know that the Pharisees knew a couple of things. So what did they believe? Because it doesn't matter if you just know something, if you don't believe it. I can know that chair will hold me, but if I don't believe it, I'm never going to sit in it. But once I believe it, then I have a choice of whether I'm going to receive it or not. So what did they believe? Let's go to, to chapter 28, and let's go to verse 11. Now, chapter 28, the first 10 verses, Jesus rises from the dead. The women see it. They come back. Uh, and in verse 11, it says, Now, while they were on their way, the women, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. All of what had happened. Jesus rose from the dead. This is an eyewitness testimony of the resurrection of Christ given to the Pharisees who knew that Jesus said he was going to rise from the dead, and now they have eyewitness testimony that it happened. Now, how do you not believe that? You have to believe that. And how do I know that they believe it? Because when we look at what did they receive, how they responded to what they knew to be true. 
So they knew Jesus claimed these things, and now they knew that Jesus did what he said he was going to do. Now, how did they receive that? What did they do with it? Let's continue to verse 12. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. So if, if, they, didn't, if they didn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, they'd tell the, the guards, you go find the body. What were you guys doing? Did, were you sleeping? Were you not aware? Well, go find the body. Bring the body. They knew he rose. So they go, we're going to cover this up. So this is a sad thing. We have a group of people that knew what Jesus said, that knew what Jesus did, and they had a choice. What do I do with this information? And they covered it up. They, they chose to cover it up. See, again, Jesus said to Pilate, he says, for this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And we're going to talk about that truth a lot today, of what is it that Jesus really came for. And that's the truth. And sometimes I think we major in the minors. We get all hung up on things, and we're going to look at how the, 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 the disciples and the people got hung up on political things, which isn't what Jesus came for, but is what they wanted him to come for. And I think as Christians, sometimes we get hung up on wanting Jesus to be and do something that he never came to do. And so the, the Pharisees actually knew the truth, and it's sad that someone can know the truth about Christ and even believe it, and yet if they don't receive it, they totally miss it. And it's a sad place to be when you have that information, but it doesn't fit your narrative. It doesn't fit what you want to have accomplished. Why did the, 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 the Pharisees not receive it? Because they were more concerned about their power. They were more concerned about their position. They were more concerned about their possessions. They were more concerned about what was in it for them at this point in time and how their life was going to be improved rather than what Jesus had to come to share. And he was basically getting in their way. He was stopping from them from doing the things that they really wanted to do, and they were able to eliminate him. And even after they found out the truth, they didn't want to accept it because it didn't fit into what they wanted to have happen in their lives. It's a sad place to be when you miss something completely because you're too busy covering it up to protect yourself. And I think that's a good question for us to ask ourselves this morning is what are we covering up? I mean, many of us have already given our life to Jesus. Many of us have a relationship with Christ, and yet there's things God wants to do in our lives. There's things that God wants to do to help us grow and be transformed and make a difference eternally, and it doesn't fit into what we want to do personally. It doesn't fit into the stuff that we want to have happen, and so Jesus comes and tells us something, and we just cover it up because we don't want to see that. We'd rather do what we want to do, and I think sometimes we miss God's best because we don't want to, to give up the things that we have. We want to eat ice cream out of the carton with no, car, no calories. See, we want to believe things we want to believe because we think it's better for us or we like how it tastes or we like how it feels or we think the results are going to be better. So we have the Pharisees. Now let's look at the disciples. What did they know? We're still in Matthew. So let's go back to Matthew 16 and look at what the disciples knew. 
This is good stuff. I really don't like preaching because God tells me all kinds of stuff I need to do. And this one I really have to listen to because I can't know it, believe it, and not receive it. So, uh, John, Matthew 16, starting with verse 13. Now, Jesus, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barhona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my, but my Father who is in heaven. The disciples knew that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And, and after all, didn't he demonstrate that? I mean, he lived a life where there were miracles and ministry and walking on water and healing people and forgiving the sin. He, some of them saw the transfiguration. They saw him feed a bunch of people. I mean, they saw all kinds of unbelievable things. So they really had Jesus confirm who he was by who he, how he lived and what he did and, and who he was as a person. So they knew he was the Christ, the son of the living God. What other thing did they know? If we go down to verse 21... It said in verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. So Jesus tells them, I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified, and on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. He says that to him several times between this point and his crucifixion. So they knew that Jesus was the Messiah. They knew that he was going to suffer, die, and be raised the third day. So what did they believe? Well, I, I think they believed that he was a Christ. I think they believed that he was a conquering king. He was a miracle worker. He was invincible. But they didn't really believe that he was going to be crucified. No way, not Jesus. There's no way. He walks on water. He casts out demons. He confounds the Pharisees. This guy's invincible. There is no way he's being crucified. There's no way that can happen. But the thing about the disciples is that, that their hearts are right. So what happens is the crowd comes. They take Jesus away. Well, this doesn't make sense to them. That can't happen because this, Jesus is invincible. How do you arrest Jesus? So what do they do? They scatter. They scatter because this isn't the Jesus that they thought he was. They want the Jesus that's going to wipe out the crowd. They don't want the Jesus that's going to get arrested by the crowd. So they scatter. Jesus, Peter even follows them. He gets in there. He denies Christ three times because this is not the same Jesus. I, I don't know this Jesus. But the interesting thing is Jesus is faithful to help us learn more things. Because truth really isn't based on circumstances or necessarily what makes sense to us, but on the reliability of, of Jesus and on his word. And so when we miss who Jesus is, when we don't get who Jesus is because the disciples thought Jesus was going to come and be a political figure that was going to free them from Rome. How many of us want Jesus to be the political figure that's going to free us from the government? Amen? That's not his purpose. And sometimes we major so much in causes that we miss the cause, the truth. And this morning, I want us to grab a hold of that. 
So what happened in the life of the disciples that changed them from this belief? They totally missed who Jesus was. They wanted Jesus to be this person and he became this person. So how did they begin to grow in their belief level where they could begin to take what they knew and there's so much that we knew and then we plug it into the Jesus that we want him to be and then he becomes a Jesus that we don't want him to be and all of a sudden what we knew, we go, well, wait, 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 what's, what's, what's going on here? So how do we change that so that we begin to believe in the Jesus who's the real Jesus with the real purpose? Well, let's go to Luke 24. Doug was in this a couple weeks ago. Great passage. It's worth going into again. So we're going to be in Luke 24, and we're going to pick it up um, first in verse 11 because I want to reemphasize where the apostles are because this is after the resurrection. Jesus had rose again from the dead. The women found out, they came and told the disciples, and in verse 11 it says this, but these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. See, this didn't make sense to them. This was their Jesus. I don't care what you tell me about this Jesus. I can't believe that this is the Jesus because it doesn't fit what I've seen. It doesn't fit what I expect. It doesn't fit what I'm looking at. It doesn't make sense to me. So how do I believe this? And here's the exciting thing about Jesus is he knows that. And so he is going to continually show us himself so many different ways until we can begin to understand what is truth and how do we live our lives eternally based on the truth that he came to testify. He came to testify to the truth. And those who know the truth hear his voice. And he wants us so much to hear his voice. So let's pick up Luke now and we're going to start in verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus and Nazarene, who was a mighty prophet indeed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. Now here's what they believed about Jesus. This is where they missed it. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. He was going to bring us back to the days of David when we ruled the world, when we were the big dog, when we were the ones on top. Indeed, beside all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some woman among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. So here are these disciples that knew this stuff about Jesus, were beginning to see what Jesus told them was going to happen, was actually happening, and still could not get it. They didn't have the capacity to put it together. And that happens in our lives so often where we know the truth. We just can't believe that it's true because it's not fitting our narrative. It's not fitting our circumstances. It's not fitting what makes sense to us. So here's what Jesus does. 
And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. So now he's starting to talk to them. Here's where your beliefs needs to be based. Not in what you're seeing, not in what you're experiencing, not in what makes sense to you, but it needs to be based on what the word of God is telling you. And he says, you guys, how do you not know this? The prophet, the prophet spoke about this. Was it, not was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Now listen to this, verse 27. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. You want God to begin to encourage you and, and help you grow in your belief in who Jesus is all about? He is going to explain things to you. Biblically, this is why when we come on Sunday mornings and on Saturday mornings and on Thursday mornings, we come together. This is what we use as our reliable resource. We use so many other things as our reliable resource of how we feel. And most of it is very difficult to find out if it's true. So let's go to the resource that eternally is true for us. And so he began to explain with them. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets. Why did he do that? Because those are the ones that talked about what was going to happen when Jesus came. This, this, Jesus is the conquering king. Jesus is going to reign. Jesus is going to come and conquer. Just not this time. And so if you read the Bible and you read the scriptures and they understood what the prophets said, they would know that the first time Jesus came, he was coming this way. The next time he comes, it's going to be a different story. But not this time. And so they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as if he was going to go farther. But they urged him, saying, stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Now listen to this. Verse 32. Then, he said, then they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road? What was he speaking? What was causing their hearts to burn within them? While he was explaining the scriptures to us. Now you want to have, a, you want to have kind of a data point of whether your heart is soft towards, towards God or not? How do you feel when his word is explained to you? How do you feel when you get up in the morning and you're in his word and you're asking the Holy Spirit to teach you something? How do you feel when new truth comes and you go, oh, oh, does your heart burn within you? Does it, does it get you to want to get up and do something? Because what happened with these guys? He says, were not our hearts burning within us while he was explaining to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And then they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the 11 and those who were with them, saying, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. Now it's making sense. Now I believe. Now I get it. See, this is the beauty of how God is. He knows we don't get it, but he's also um, just patient enough and faithful enough to continue to come to us and show us different ways and different types to help us get it. But it's biblically based. Jesus didn't come and say, well, you know, if you just count these stars and look at these angels and follow these signs, he comes to scripture, Moses and the prophets, and explains it to them. 
And they began to relate their experiences on the road, how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. And then in verse 36, Jesus shows up to him again. He goes, if that doesn't make sense, let me do this. And he says, if you don't believe me, here's my hands, here's my side, here's my feet. I'm going to eat some fish and prove to you that it's true. And so then as we pick it up in verse 44 of the same passage, it says, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So again, he says, Look, I want you to understand why I came. I want you to understand what my purpose is. You thought this was my purpose. Then when it was this, it didn't make sense to you. But now that you know that I am the Messiah... And that I did come and die and raise again, and my purpose was this, and they began to see it, their belief increased significantly. Then he, then this is a great passage. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. See, the Holy Spirit will do that for us. If we don't get it, go to the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit will open your mind to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And here's the purpose, that repentance for forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning with Jerusalem. For you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, for you are to stay in the city until you are clothed from, with power from on high. So Again, Jesus talks about what his purpose was. And then he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. So not only did he open their minds to, to understand scripture, this, this, this part must have been a mind blower. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Okay, I think my belief level just increased. And you go, well, yeah, well, if I saw Jesus rise from the dead, if I saw him go up into heaven, I would believe. Well, listen, close your eyes right now and imagine that you're in Bethany and imagine that Jesus is talking to you. And then imagine that, oh, there he goes. Oh, man, that is unbelievable. Okay, you saw it. We know it happened. We know it. We just believe it and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us through his word. And after that, they worshiped him. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continuing the temple. So their belief completely changed because Jesus came and gave them new information. And so often what we believe will change as we get new information. So then what did they receive? Well, let's go to Acts and see what they received. So we know what they knew. We know now that what they believe. So what did they receive based on what they believed? We're going to go to Acts 2 because what was the last thing Jesus told them to do was to go to Jerusalem and wait, right? So when you receive something from God, the first thing that indicates whether you, what you believe is what you receive is whether you obey it or not. Jesus said, go and wait. And so they go, okay. Did it make sense to them? I don't think so. Go and wait for what? For this promise from God? What's that supposed to be? They had no idea what they're waiting for. And chapter one talks about them taking some administrative stuff. And then in chapter two, it says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appear, appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And so these Jews started hearing the disciples talking in their own language. And they're going, what is going on? 
And the disciples said, what is going on? But they're all proclaiming God and, and glorifying God and, and says in verse 13, but others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. But verse 14, Peter, taking a stand with the 11, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And then Peter begins to quote Joel. Now this is amazing. So did Peter receive? Yeah, his eyes were open to receive the scripture and he stood up. You know, they didn't come to Jerusalem and sit down and say, okay, let's plan this, this uh, church growth strategy. We need to put together a building plan. We need to figure out what our message is going to be, how we're going to open the service, what are you going to do? I mean, they just went and waited just like Jesus told them to do. But they believed that he was there and that he came to, to die and, and um, be raised again for the forgiveness of sins. And so Peter begins to to quote Joel. How does Peter quote Joel? I mean, what would make him quote Joel? Because Jesus went through all that stuff, explained it to him, opened their minds to understand scripture, and now all the stuff that Peter had learned is making sense to him. And so he shares it. And then he says in verse 22, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus and Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in the midst of just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over to, by predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. So Peter now is proclaiming the truth. Jesus came to testify to the truth. Did Peter and the disciples receive that? Yes, because they're proclaiming what Jesus told them. They're proclaiming. And then he goes and quotes David in the Psalms. And then he says at the very end, verse 36, as we, after he quotes David in the Psalms, again, quoting scripture because that's what Jesus instilled in him. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So they testified to the truth. So they knew something. It took a while for them to believe it. But once they believed it because their hearts were soft. They received it and proclaimed it. They began to carry out the purpose of why Jesus came so that they could proclaim that same truth that he came to testify. And that's what they did. Boy, that is good news. I don't know about you guys, but I am so glad that God is faithful to continue to help me grow and, and remove those things from my life that are continuing to get in the way of what he really wants to do in me to use me so that I can grow and be used for his purposes. Because how often do we have some perspective of what Jesus is, some expectation of what we want Jesus to do? And if Jesus was really God, then this would happen. And that's not how it works. Jesus really is God, and his purpose is this, not these things. And when we realize that, we have so much more peace. And we're able to sit and listen to what he has to say to us and to be teachable so that transformation can happen and then that we can be used for his purposes. Be people who are, who are willing to listen. So let's look at the people real quickly. What did the people know? We're gonna go back to Matthew 21 and look at the people and what did they know? Familiar passage, again, it's a passage we covered a few weeks ago.
We're going to pick it up at, at verse 6. Jesus told the disciples to go get a donkey. They brought a donkey to him. So in, in Matthew 21, verse 6, it says, The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the, in the road, and the crowds going ahead of him, and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. So what did they know? They knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Son of David who comes in the name of the Lord in the highest. They knew he was the Messiah. They saw him perform miracles. They saw him, him um, heal the sick. They saw him confound the Pharisees. They, they saw him feed thousands. They've, they saw Jesus do so many things. They were excited. He was the Messiah. He's coming into Jerusalem, the conquering king. He's coming in to conquer Rome. They are totally excited about this Messiah. This Messiah that they wanted to come in and take over the politics of the world, take over Rome and restore David's kingdom. That's the, that's the, that's the, the Jesus that they knew. And incidentally, we talked about this. That is Jesus, right? Jesus is a conquering king. It just depends on when that happens. His purpose is, was different here. So when you believe something deeply and you have an expectation of what you think is supposed to happen and it doesn't happen, it is so easy for your belief to sway and for others to begin to convince you that something isn't really the way it is and begin to get you to believe something differently. So let's look at what happened with the people because who they thought Jesus was was not who Jesus actually is. So in, in Matthew 27... We're going to pick it up in verse um, 20. Now, Jesus is before, before Pilate. Pilate wants to ask him what they, what they should do. It says in verse 20, the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they all said, crucify him. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And all the people said, this blood shall be on us and on our children. Then they released Barabbas for them. But after having Jesus scored, they handed him over to be crucified. So they, they saw Jesus as somebody different. So what did they say? They said, his blood shall be on us and on our children. The Pharisees had so convinced them that who they thought Jesus was wasn't who he was, that they, that they cried for his crucifixion. This fraud should be crucified. And so what we believe is so important and it needs to be based on accurate information and we could completely miss it. But what did they receive real quickly? Because this is the beauty of, of how God is. Let's go back to Acts 2. Because Jesus is so good to us and so faithful in helping us get it right even when we don't get it right. And so often we don't get it right 
And it could be devastating if we don't. Jesus preaches this message in verse 36. He says, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made them both Lord and Christ, this Christ whom you crucified. Now, verse 37 says this, and when they heard this, when they heard the word preached, Jesus went through Joel, he went through Psalms. He, he taught them what Jesus' purpose really was. And it says, when they heard this, they go, that is not the Jesus we thought. Oh, my goodness. And they said, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, now listen to this, for the promise is for you and your children. Oh, his blood shall be on us and on our children. Peter says, you're forgiven. You and your children, the blood is not on you. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So the beauty is, is we can completely miss it, but God will help us to receive the truth. He brings us to understand the truth, and if our hearts are right, Jesus said, I came to testify to the truth, and those who know the truth hear, are, hear my voice. And he wants us to continue to listen, to listen and, and hear his voice. So he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And let me ask you, what's, get, what's getting in the way from you listening to his voice, from hearing his voice? Is there stuff that you're covering up just because you just don't want to let go of that because it's too important? Because I tell you, man, when we listen to his voice and we recognize him and he reveals to us the scriptures and he speaks truth to us, if we obey him, you see, the disciples and the people were just as culpable as the Pharisees. They, they scattered. They called for his crucifixion. They were just as culpable as the Pharisees. But what was the difference? The Pharisees covered up everything. The disciples learned and grew, repented and changed. The people learned and grew and repented and changed. See, what a transformation can be when you obey what God says. I mean, imagine how your marriage, even if your marriage is good, how much better it will be if you continue to let the word of God transform you in your relationship with your spouse. How much more your relationship with your parents would be, kids, if, if you really understood the value of having a good relationship and obeying your parents. What could, what could a neighborhood look like if we as Christians loved our neighbors unconditionally and just had a transforming power come over our neighborhoods? If we learn to be generous, if we learn to be forgiving, instead of judgmental when people have different opinions and different points of view, if we could learn just to have his peace as we go through life and, 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 and accept the patience of knowing that we can trust him when things don't go right and just let him work in us and be set free. See, when we let God be God, it just frees us up to just obey him. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, I came that you might have life and more abundantly. See, it doesn't matter where you are now. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus has a plan that is eternally for you. And he wants to use you for his purposes. Just listen to his voice. Obey it when you hear it. You do it in the small things, he's gonna do big things. Let's pray together. 
Father, we thank you for your grace and for your love. Thank you that you've given us your word and that your word is true and that your word is transforming. And Lord, help us to grow in you, to listen to your word, and to respond appropriately. And Lord, we just want to be um, tools used in your hands to communicate your message of love and grace, of forgiveness, of redemption. And we ask the power of your Holy Spirit to help that happen. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Now him too is able to do far more abundantly beyond anything you ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Have a God-centered week. God bless.